Hello, everybody. This is Chris from the uh, Secret Origins of Mint Condition Sports Desk, and joining me today is Joe. Hey, sports fans. How you doing? And uh, it's just going to be the two of us today. James will grace us with our presence, to, with his presence at some point, but not tonight, um, which means you're stuck with us for another sports quote-unquote short. Uh, but I can guarantee you it's it's not looking like it's going to be short tonight. <laughs> Probably won't. <laughs> feels like feels like we got a lot of a lot of ground to cover tonight. Uh, so so where do you want to start this evening, my friend? Uh, I guess we should hit the playoffs. Which uh, as we as I as we speak right now, Chris, this is um, September twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of games going on tonight that have ramifications or implications for the upcoming playoffs. Okay. Marlins, Marlins, Mets. Yankees, Blue Jays, Braves, Nationals, Phillies, Cubs, Cards, Brewers, Dodgers, Padres, Rangers, Marlins, and Rays, Guardians. Wow! So there's a lot going on tonight. Oh, there's a lot going on. We, you know, we know we know uh, who's won the divisions. Obviously, the Astros and the Dodgers, but uh, you know, uh, and the and the, and the Guardians, mm-hmm. but the Yankees. If they win one game over the next nine games that they're in, they win the division. If they beat the um, uh, the uh, Jays tonight and they're up two one in the fourth, they will win the division. Okay. But as we sit here right now, uh, the um, Mets are but one game ahead of the Braves in the loss column, mm-hmm. and they'll be playing them this weekend, weather permitting. That's the, we need to sp- talk about that maybe a little bit later. What what Hurricane Ian might be doing to this uh, baseball oh, sure. season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know uh, we have we have club we have teams that are looking that are on the uh, let me just flip over to the uh, standings here. So the the, Ray, the Jays are eighty seven and 80, uh, 67. The Rays are eighty four and sixty nine. But then when you go down to the rest of the American League, we see that the Guardians have a ten game lead over the White Sox. They're in. There's nobody else in that division getting in to the playoffs. Okay. But the Mariners are eighty three and sixty nine. So it looks like. It's going to be um, for the wild three wild cards in the American League: uh, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and um, the Mariners. Uh, you know, uh, the the Orioles are three behind the uh, the Mariners uh, in the win column, and how many down in the loss column? Orioles, uh, seventy-three, four. So that's you know that's doable, but it's not realistic. Okay. We go with, we go to the National League though. As I said, uh, the uh, the Braves and the Mets are going to go down to the wire. Okay. That's why. And the Phillies have 83 wins. Um, the Brewers have 82, and they're six and a half behind the Cardinals, so they're not winning the division. The Cardinals are winning the division, but they're one game uh, behind the uh, the um, Phillies. And then you got the Padres at 85. And so you know you got a, you got a little dog fight over there going on as as, as far as seating goes. So uh, it's uh, these games are very important, and this is what the, the Major League Baseball wanted by adding this uh, this third uh, wild card. It's keeping more teams involved, um, not only involved in getting in, but getting in as what seed, you know, a higher seed or a lower seed uh, as as a wild card team. So I think this is exactly what MLB wanted. Um, and Chris, as we stand right now, the Aaron Judge watch. He's still <laughs> he's all he's um, all for one tonight with a line out and a walk. I was watching just before we logged on, mm-hmm. and uh, he's still looking for that 61st home run to tie Roger Maris. Okay. And then, uh, so I think he's going to do it, but it looks like he's pressing, and that's understandable. He's only human. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you know about uh, the original chase back in 61. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Maris's hair started to fall out. 
that's how, uh, you know, that's how the, yeah, the pressure got to him. No, I mean, I can imagine it's, it's, yeah. you know, I was, it, it, this is different context, but I was listening to, and I think it can apply to, to just about any sport, but, uh, but I was listening to 32 thoughts and, uh, they were talking about uh, hockey players and, um, and how coaches privately, they try and keep it private, but they hate, hate, hate those iron man streaks mm. because you end up, you know, with, you know, you want to bench this player or you want to send him down. And it's like, no, 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 no. He's, he's chasing this Iron Man streak. Like, don't, you know, don't pull him out. And it's not necessarily the best thing for the team. And um, it sounds like this is a, can, can be a similar situation just because, you know, obviously everybody wants to see him do it, but if he's chasing it, you know, what is he giving up in the process of chasing it? And, and um, you know, I mean, he's a pro, he's a consummate pro. And, and obviously uh, while the record's important to him, uh, his payday is probably more important to him, so he wants to make sure that he doesn't scare teams off by chasing this so hard that it that it negatively impacts the Yankees. But um, but I yeah, I imagine it's a really really difficult sort of urge to keep at bay and not just keep swinging for the fences. Well, yeah, I, I, well, actually, over the, over these last six games, it's been the, it was last Tuesday his 60th home run. He's got he's he's got I think six hits and 18 at bats, which is what that would be 333. So he's He's walking, so he's not going out of the zone. And um, he was walked intentionally last night in the, in the top of the tenth, and uh, that worked out for them. So and then the, the Rays walked it off. Uh, the Rays, excuse me, the Jays walked it off in the bottom of the inning. But so um, he's taking his walks. He's an ultimate consummate team player. And uh, but I think if the Yankees were to win tonight, whether he hits the home run or not, I think they would sit him tomorrow. Because they don't want to play him on that carpet three games in a row. It's rough on the legs. Plus, they have Thursday off. They give him two days. Clear your head, Aaron. We won tonight. The division is ours. Yeah, it would take a monumental um, Phillies collapse of the early '60s for the Yankees not to win this division in the next uh, the well, next week. And this is going to take me back to to what you were talking about a little bit earlier before we because I want to talk more about Aaron Judge because obviously we talked about him betting on himself in this mm-hmm. in this contract year and. Um, it doesn't feel like he has won big. It feels like he keeps winning, right? Like he takes the money that he won from the slot machine, puts it back in and wins more money. So I want to come <laughs> back to that in a second here. Um, but, you know, specific to the Mets and the Yankees, and we can talk about him as well, but obviously that's that's our main interest. Um, how important do you think it is to those teams to to win their divisions, given that they've already clinched, right? How important is it to them that they they chase a higher seed? Uh, well, if you win the division, uh, the, the- Top two divisions, there's three divisions in each league, so the top two division winners get the bye. The, uh, the, uh, the Yankees and the Astros will get a bye. The, um, uh, the Guardians will have to play. Uh, I, I, you know, I had it called up and I, I closed it out. But they'll have to play, obviously, one of the wild card teams. Uh, and then, so, and you got a few days off. And right now the Yankees could use that. DJ LeMayu is supposedly coming back tomorrow. He has the foot issue. We have... Um, uh, Carpenter with the foot issue. We have Be- uh, Benintendi with the hammock bone uh, issue uh, in his hand. I don't think either of those two guys are coming back. So I think it's important to win your division, and then you can line up your pitching staff for the playoffs, right? You get guys, you get some rest. And you have to. You also have to uh, you set your roster, obviously, for the playoffs. You got and that's real. But setting the roster for the playoffs is more about who's going to be in the bullpen, because uh, you got guys doing tryouts right now in the bullpen. Not everybody has a, a closer. The Yankees and the Dodgers do not have a designated closer. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are winning every game they play. And they're in the same boat with their bullpen as the Yankees. They don't they don't have a you know a lockdown closer. 
So all these things come together in the last week of the season. So it's very important to win that division. And even if it's just three or four days, you have decisions to make and you can, you can make them. Uh, you don't have to make them off the cuff, so to speak. You can, you can think about it and ruminate over, the, ruminate over these decisions. So I think that's uh, it's very important. And, you know, as I said, right now, the, obviously the Mets, they, can't, they don't have that luxury right now. They've got to play every game like it's, you know, a game seven because they get, they're only a game ahead of the Braves. They want to win that division. And the Braves are right on their tail, breathing them down their neck. So that's a different dynamic altogether. Right, right. Okay, so it sounds like I, the Yankees have a – I don't know. I mean, it, it, it sounds like they both need the wins. I mean, it sounds like they both – you know, whether it's the Yankees needing time off or the Mets needing that breathing room. Um, so it's – yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you kind of want these last couple of games of September to be meaningless, and, and the Yankees and the, the Mets don't really have that luxury, huh? Uh, the, 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 the Mets less than the Yankees, that is correct, yes. Yes, I mean, again, if the Yankees win tonight – uh, then every they're, they're in. They won the division, and, and then we just have to worry about the judge home run chase and getting getting the pitching line, getting the bullpen line, and getting guys healthy. Right. Uh, right. So uh, maintenance work for them. Yeah. So okay. hopefully the Mets can go into into Atlanta again, weather permitting. Right. At least the game up. At least retain that game that one game, uh, and then the Mets finish the season at City Field mm-hmm. against the dreadful Nationals. The Yankees finish in. Um, Arlington, Texas, playing four games in three days because those are the four games that got got uh, uh, blown away from the lockout. So they got a doubleheader amidst those four those, those three days. If they if they lock things up before they go down to Texas, is that a thing you think they phone in so that they're not risking any any injuries or any misfortune with that doubleheader going? Well, you you could phone that in because the Texas Rangers aren't going to make the playoffs. But if they were playing a team that had you know, uh, ramifications for the playoffs. Um, the managers would not phone it in totally because um, they respect the other teams. That, you know, you, you look at a guy like uh, a guy like Terry Francona, who, who I think is the best manager in baseball. And if the Yankees can't make the, you know, uh, can't get to the World Series and hopefully the freaking uh, Astros don't, I want to see the Guardians get there for Terry Francona. I love him. I would love to see him manage the Yankees someday. But um, yeah, I, I, what you do is you rest, guys, this weekend. If you're the New York Yankees, you would probably rest Aaron Judge, especially if he's hit the 60-second home run. Right, right. Um, if, if DJ comes back tomorrow, you're going to play him a couple of games, but you might not play him in those in – those, obviously, you won't play him in those four games in three days. No one will play four games in three days if you know you're going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll see what you can do with your bullpen. You know, are guys stretched out to be long relief men? Uh, who's going to be in the rotation? You need three to four guys in the rotation. As you know, as the um, playoffs commence, so there's a lot of variables uh, to look at, and um, it's uh, it's you know it's fun to watch this, and uh, and um, I I, uh, I follow this course on on sports radio uh, here in New York, and we'll get to that later when we get to the NFL, and I'll tell you some stuff about what's going on in sports radio, yeah. um, in, in lieu of the Jets, it's uh, Chris is hysterical and it's good theater. Okay. All right. well, <laughs> Looking forward to getting to it. And I know, obviously, um, you know, it's and, and, you know, Aaron Judge, obviously, that's a that's a big one. And then, of course, we had another milestone with uh, ah. uh, oh, Albert. I love Albert 700 in the same game. Yeah. And, and oh, boy, those Dodger fans. And we spoke about this offline with the uh, and you reminded me that he did play for a minute for the Dodgers. And of course, he played in the L.A. area 
for the last what almost 10 years with the with the angels gosh has it been that long i thought it was more like six or seven but probably six or seven yeah so i mean there's a fan base that loves the guy and you, you know i don't care who you are in baseball what city you're in how could you not stand up and cheer for that guy i mean again i you know um Barring, uh, you know, when you, when you mentioned great hit, great right-handed hitters in the history of the game, mm-hmm. the first two that lived to my mind are Willie Mays and, and, and Joe DiMaggio. And then right after that, I would put Albert Pujols. Okay. Yeah. He's hit more home runs than those guys in the, you know, in the career. But just as a pure right-handed hitter, you, you know, uh, Frank Thomas, uh, Mike Piazza, uh, guys like that were great right-handed hitters. Uh, Manny Ramirez. Um, why is he guys guys escaping uh, I mean right now the name of it? A little bit of con if you wouldn't mind, Joe, give me a little yes. bit of context for how much history are we seeing being made this year in MLB as opposed to say like an average year? Like is this is this more history than usual or is it just you know, this is the average amount of history, it's just a different kind of history than we've seen in recent years? I think it's more history. I think uh, we we had Miguel Cabrera get his uh, three thousand hit this year. Mm-hmm. For the Dodgers, and I think he's retiring after this year. We had, as you mentioned, we had uh, Albert. Um, I, I call him Albert because he's the kind of ball player that you know him by the first name. Right. He's he's like like LeBron, right? Sure. He's, or like Michael. He's Albert because he, he's that great. Yeah. Albert got his seventh seven hundred home run, and we have Judge going for the um, the record for the American League. Uh, there's only been three major leaguers in the American League that have sixty or more home runs. They're all Yankees. Ruth. Uh, uh, Aaron and of course Roger Maris with 61 so it's a Yankee thing right now <laughs> and uh, we have things going on in the rest of the league we, we have Shohei Otani who's just incredible right as a, as a two way ball player uh, that's a big thing um, we have the, uh, the, the the Braves who have just been insatiable they've been insatiably since the all-star break mm-hmm. um, let me see what the how many wins do the Dodgers have currently they have 106. There's not enough time now. That the the record is 116 by uh, by the early 2000 um, uh, Mariners. Okay, so I mean, yeah, that record is safe. Yeah, yeah, for another year. Okay, so but there's there's a lot of stuff, a lot of records uh, and a lot of uh, you know um, uh, drama going on this year well, in, in MLB. Firsts, right? And the yes, the changes with the rules. Now we have a uh, you know another another playoff team uh, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and then any of the other so okay so it sounds like a little more a little more of a historic season than you yes i would agree with that okay and remember the playoffs start next friday again uh they may or may not if we if that you know um obviously if the three games get rained out in atlanta uh they they can't let this you know they'll probably know uh the first night i think they're talking about possibly a neutral site okay uh, if the, let's say the Brewers are playing on the road, they could go to Milwaukee and play in that dome stadium. If you know, uh, this is obviously a different situation, but I think at the moment, I think that the Bucks are training in Miami at the Dolphins facility. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening. So I'm, I don't know if mm-hmm. we're going to see that across leagues. Other teams following suit. Yeah, I know. I know that uh, Mr. Brady said something today was kind of stupid. He's going to, you know, uh, no hurricane is going to stop us from preparing. Oh yeah! Don't that, don't be spitting in the face of Mother Nature. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I, I think you know Katrina is still fresh in everybody's minds. I think that's not a yeah. thing to say out loud. Yeah, that's that was uh, just dumb for him to say. But then you know we don't we don't like him and we never will. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it, just, it just feels like a and I'm, and 
I will I will assume best intentions and assume it was not meant to be. No, I don't. I, I'm just. But that 100 percent comes across to me as as callous, especially if you're again if you're uh, someone who lives in New Orleans where they're still still. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's a little tone deaf. It's not malicious, but it's a little right, tone deaf. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, you know, again, when when you know New York got hit by Sandy. Yeah. You know, that's the last thing you're thinking about is, ah, we'll just fight through it. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We survived it. We didn't fight through it. We got to survive yeah. it. Yeah, that's a big difference. Well, so, uh, uh, again, next Friday, all, all things uh, being equal, the playoffs start. As And remember, the wild card is not one game. It's not a, you know, one and done. Right. Like a playoff in the NFL. It's a uh, best of three. So, you know, if you lose the first game, of course, game two is an elimination game. But at least you got a shot. Right. So, uh, you know, it's your season. In, you can't play six months in baseball, make it to the playoffs, and have your entire season riding on one game. That just isn't right. fair. And then, so I'm so glad they changed be, that. You know, you can't – and you're not – you know, you're not hitting multiple elimination games in a row, right? Like, you, the most you can hit in that wild card is two. You have two elimination games you need to – Right. So it's, it's exactly. not – I mean, I can only imagine what the pressure is like, but – you know, it's not intolerable. It's not a thing you can't do. Okay. Do you, uh, Chris, I got a few things about the Yankees and Mets. Uh, do you want to hear that? Do you, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Hear? The only thing okay. I have left for, for baseball is a little bit of a little bit of union talk. So that can. Oh, good, good. We'll get to that. Good. Yeah, okay. So that can um, we get through the Mets and Yankees because I know what our listeners really want to hear before we sort of try and make them eat their vegetables. <laughs> okay, so we also need to speak about Alan Judge going for another record or another another achievement. That's the triple crown. He came into the, tonight leading the American League in batting average at three fourteen, just uh, basis points ahead of um, Luis Arise and Xander Bogarts of the, um, of the of the of the Boston Red Sox. If Alan Judge wins the triple crown, will be the first time I think since two thousand and twelve when Miguel Cabrera won it, and it'll be the first. Uh, Yankee to win it since Mickey Mantle did it in 56. The you know, Triple Crown is the uh, most RBIs, most home runs, and, and the uh, top batting average in, in the uh, league. So uh, that, that would be a, a, an incredible achievement. And I, I, you know what? I would think that Aaron Judge would rather win that than the home run uh, crown because that's more of a team thing. You know, you're leading, you're, you're driving in runs, you're, you're, you're getting on base, you're scoring runs. So, and that's the type of ball player he is. So, uh, everything else I mentioned, yes. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're going to come down on this, but I'm just curious. I heard, I heard somebody say that this is this is sort of what they perceived is that um, well, the last time he hit a home run, he was just kind of like you know blank face, like just business as usual. He did not celebrate until after the Yankees had won. Is that also the impression that you get from him? Do you think that's an accurate read of just business as usual until the Yankees win and then he's happy? Yes, that was last Tuesday. The Yankees were down four runs in the bottom of the ninth. He let off the inning with a blast. And the fans wanted a curtain call. He didn't want to come out. He came out briefly, just looked at the crowd, and went right back into the dugout. Then they load the bases, and and I think it was the first or second pitch to Giancarlo Stanton, line drive, grand slam, walk-off home run. And then he leaped over the the, the, uh, the railing in the dugout, Aaron Judge, and you know he and his teammates mobbed uh, uh, Big G at the, at the plate. And, and I, yeah, I think that's who he is. I really do. I don't think this is uh, eyewash. I don't think this is, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 diva dramatics or anything like that. This is real. This is who he is. Okay. And uh, more power to him. Yeah. That's why he's loved him you know, in New York. Well, half of New York loves him. <laughs> right, I need the right, Mets. Right. 
Well, and the other half of New York doesn't have too much to complain about at the moment other than... No, they don't. And uh, I, as I said, DJ might be back tomorrow. And um, that's it for the Yankees right now. If, again, if they, if they uh, win tonight, they clinch the division. For the New York Metropolitans, uh, starting tonight's play, Pete Alonso had as many RBIs as Aaron Judge at 128. Judge is leading the American League. Mm. So Pete Alonso has been on a tear. He carries that team. Frankie Lindor is uh, hot and cold. They got to make sure he gets hot for the playoffs because uh, Pete needs that, needs that stick behind him. Scherzer's looking great, but DeGrom has looked almost human in his last three starts. And so there might be some, you know, is, is, is it, you know, possibly a dead on period because he came back in July and guys, when they come back after a long layoff, it's usually at the end of say the spring training, they have a dead arm. So uh, we got we're going to have a microscope on on uh, Degrom on his next start, uh, and of course, as I said, the Mets have a one game lead over the Braves in the loss column, and Hurricane Ian could affect uh, the entire National League East pennant race. So that's where we stand with MLB right now, Chris. Okay. So uh, you want to you want to get into the uh, as you said the uh, yeah just a little bit because it's it's a okay go ahead. for me, and I'm yeah. I'm curious as to what you think. Uh, so, sure. Um, this is kind of old news. Uh, it was what maybe uh, two weeks ago. I think it was. I think it was like two weeks ago that um, this has been going on for a while. Where the the minor leaguers uh, have finally sort of started coming together um, in the interest of creating a union, and they were going to take a vote on it. And of course, they the only reason they would take a vote on it is if they had the votes in the first place. Mm-hmm. Thing, from an organizing standpoint, they wanted to make sure that they did. Um, you know, make sure you do it right because a failed vote can really, really set you back. So, sure. Um, so this is something they've sort of been a direction they've been heading in for for a while. All the signs were there, and then uh, MLB said we'll recognize it. They're not going to fight it um, after after you know years of basically paying them like garbage only when they play. Um, you know, uh, it's it's been a lot of. Uh, putting it lightly, a lot of crappy circumstances, right, for the minor leaguers, um, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, fighting for a chance to get paid uh, and risking injury while they do so, right, because it's not like you can play softer in the minors because you're trying to earn a, a place in the majors, right, Joe? Yeah, and if anything, you're going harder in the minors because right. you want to be noticed, right? right? Yeah, right, and you're at that point, you know, you're, you're paying for some of your own expenses. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously, that was obviously really important, and it, you know, I, I think people who were expecting MLB to fight back, you know, it's just it, there. There was too much support for it, and it would have just made them look bad. And uh, with the lockout, they already came off looking bad enough, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a thing that they sort of had to let go, and so the miners are going to create a union, and that's great. Except here's sort of where I'm I'm most interested to see what happens. Um, and mm. this is these are things that I'm sort of piecing together secondhand, right? Because I have very limited understanding of baseball. I'm still learning about it. Um, but the really interesting thing is going to be if you have a major a union for the majors, right? The MLB Players Association, and then you've also right. got a uh, a minor league union, mm-hmm. right? What's going to happen to specifically to all those players, especially from other countries, that are signed with every intention of obviously being major leaguers, but they're in the minors for at least a couple of years? Like, right? Like, what is going to happen there? Because should you, at that point, knowing, knowing, because, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Joe, but there are some players that are going to be in the minors and that are on the bubble for the majors. And then there are others that are only in the minors so they can adjust, 
right? They're in the minors, but we know they're going to end up in the majors. Otherwise, you know, the team never would have bothered signing them and never would have paid them. So right. we know that some players are are going to the majors, whether or not they do well there is sort of besides the point. Does that all sound copacetic so far? That sounds copacetic. And uh, what they do now is, uh, especially with a lot of the ball players from um, other countries, uh, they all sign them at a very young age, 16. Right. Gary Sanchez, who uh, was traded in the offseason this year from the Yankees, the, uh, the backstop, the catcher, was signed at 16. And, and um, uh, this kid, Jason, um, I want to say, oh God, I hope I'm getting his name right, Dominguez. They, they call him the Martian. The Yankees signed him at 16. I think he's 19 now, and he finished uh, high A uh, this year. So uh, they do sign some guys with the, uh, you know, uh, with the idea that they're going to make it. Then you have ball players that become career minor leaguers, and, and that's all they do. They get a cup of coffee, they come up. Once you get one at bat in the major leagues, you you do get the um, retirement package, which is very co- very generous, and uh, so that's good. But you know, I, I like the idea of the minor leaguers forming a union, and and ultimately it should be one union because when, once you make the minor leagues, uh, whether it be low A or instructional or double A or triple A, you are considered a professional baseball player. Therefore, it should be. I think it should be one le- one union for all professional baseball players, no matter what level they're at. Okay, so you would you would have one, and and maybe that's the direction they head. And there's again, obviously, a lot I don't know, but you think it should be one union, but there should be different units units within the union because they have different CBAs. Is that what? You- oh yeah, yeah. You could, well, yes, you do. I mean, well, you you don't when you, when you come up, uh, uh, you have to uh, it, you have to wait six years before you can become a free agent. I think they then recently they dropped the uh, arbitration down to three. It used to be, you know, it used to be more than that. So after three years, you can go to arbitration. Maybe it'll go to two next year. There, there are th- certain things you could work out. Maybe, maybe it should be only one year uh, before you can go to arbitration once you make the major leagues. Um, uh, it's possible that they could extend the uh, the options that players have after a certain amount of options. They can't keep. They can't send them down to the minor league club. They have to uh, let them go. They have to DFA them, or they have to, you know, uh, or they trade them. So, uh, you know, you always say the guy's out of options. Well, you know, we can't, you know, if we bring him up now, we let him go. The Yankees had to uh, DFA um, Miguel uh, um, Andujar uh, last week because they, they, they needed room on the, on, the, on the roster to bring back Zach Britton, who's been on the shelf for over a year with uh, Tommy John. And uh, if they could get him going again, he would be a big piece out of the bullpen. So uh, there's 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 numerous match, machinations that that happen uh, between minor league and and the, and the major leagues that affects these guys' playing time and their careers. Okay, yeah, I mean, you know, and that for me, that's the biggest thing is what are the CBAs? Are we talking about, you know, negotiating different CBAs? Is that a and I and I just I'm curious if this is where we see you know because obviously MLB owners they didn't want to see this happen. Um, but it didn't seem like they had much of a choice, right? No. Uh, so if they chose not to fight there, it feels like the CBAs and whether or not they're two different CBAs and what the rules governing those are, uh, that feels like a pretty fertile battleground. So I'm, I'm curious to see sort of sort of how that plays out um, and and what that what that looks like. I am too. I don't. I don't know. I know this. Once you come up, uh, there's a starting salary in Major League Baseball now, which uh, was which was part of the new CBA. 
that uh, led to the end of the lockout, which is seven hundred thousand dollars. But I, you know, I um, should there be a base salary for uh, rookie ball, A ball, double A, triple A? Maybe there should be, right? This is something that they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to book collectively yeah. bargain. Yeah. So yeah. that was that was you know that was my my base. No, good stuff, Chris. So we'll see, we'll yeah. see what, what that what that ha- what happens there. But, yeah. there. There's a lot of money. These franchises are worth a lot of money. Um, you know, I don't want to hear cry. I don't want anybody crying poverty, especially here in New York. Right. Yankees and Mets right. cannot cry poverty. Uh uh-uh. uh Right. We've already so. and we've already seen we've already seen that from from a number of teams. Right. We've seen that from MLB itself. Oh yeah. So uh, last last sort of question here in, in baseball land is I I can guess what you you know what you you've already talked Subway Series for like months and months and months. So, but let me ask: outside of Subway Series, outside of the Yankees. Excuse me, where the Mets winning it? Is there a particular storyline that you're really looking forward to in these playoffs, or the possibility of a storyline that you're looking forward to? In these yes, I mentioned an individual uh, uh, before, and that's Terry Francona, who's had a number of uh, health scares over the last few years and had to leave the team for a while this year, also. I believe Terry has some heart problems. Okay. Um, I just think he's the best manager in baseball. He's always two or three steps ahead. He's, you know, if if. If it's a toss-up, who's the best, him or Buck Showalter? But I love the guy. He's he's so classy, and and it's easy to you know it's easy to be classy when you lose, but it's it's harder to be classy when you win. Yeah. And Terry has won. He's still classy when he wins. He's a, he's a good winner and a good loser. So I just um, and he's not. And when I say loser, I don't mean that in personal sense. You know, as a team seems. So um, Terry's a great man. A great baseball man, a lifer, and like I said, if the, you know, if if by some miracle somebody knocks off those friggin' Astros and the Yankees don't, let's say the Yankees knock off the Astros, the Yankees play the uh, uh, the Guardians, and the Guardians beat the Yankees for the pennant, I would be angry because it's my team losing, but a part of me would be happy for Terry Franco. Okay, that's a that's a good yeah. good storyline. And actually, yeah. I fibbed. I do have one more. Uh, do you think that Tony LaRusso is done in baseball? Yes, I do. I think, um, uh, you know, I think age is catching up to Tony. I think other things are catching up to Tony. Uh, I wish him well, obviously, but I think, you know, um, um, I think he might, I think he might be, it might be time for Tony too. He's had a great career. Uh, he's, um, is he in the hall of fame as we speak? Is, I, and did he come I, Yeah, he I might be. Know. Know. Um, all I know is that yeah. it's confirmed that he will not be returning to the white Sox even with a year left on the contract. Right. Right. So, and you've got, you got uh, good old dusty still, still there. And you got buck over in, in city field. Um, so, you know, you got, you got some uh, elder statesmen guys that are my age are a little bit older. And uh, so I kind of like, uh, you know, um, gravitate towards them, obviously. Um, what else? There was another story. Well, I, you know, I think the story uh, for the season though, uh, would be if the New York Mets could win the World Series. This would be a, a feather in their cap, obviously, and it would be the second year under the uh, Cohen ownership. And, um, Chris, do you think we're going to be doing another sports short before? We'll be doing one before the World Series, oh, right? we better. I mean, I know. <laughs> no. Yeah, we better, right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to make my pick. We're trying to do this weekend. We've been off our mark, but yeah. Yeah. I was going to pick who I thought would win the uh, World Series this year. I think you know who I think is going to win. I said this yeah, before. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned it. 
that team that plays in Queens. But um, you know, well, well, let me see how things you know goth a bit, and I'm you know I'm knocking on my wooden dining room table right now. Goth a bit, anything happens to uh, Jacob Jacob Degrom, then the Mets' chances of winning uh, decrease rapidly. So let's hope he stays healthy. Uh, let's hope the Yankees get some guys back, especially on that those, those lefty hitters. Um, let and oh, here's what I would love to see, Chris. If the Mets play the um, uh, the Astros in the World Series and they try to cheat, Buck has got X-ray vision. He'll and, and super hearing. He'll he'll hit him. You know, Buck will hear those trash cans being banged out in the parking lot if need be. Buck will Buck will Buck will sniff it out and he'll call them out. So if you're gonna you're gonna try to pull it over on Buck Showalter, uh, Houston, don't do it because he will he'll nab you, man. Well, and so. we've talked about this before. There's much more urgency, even though the Yankees obviously don't want to see uh, a judge go anywhere, sign anywhere else. Um, there's more urgency for the Mets because you were saying, you've said in, in previous episodes that while the Yankees have a great farm system, the Mets do not, which means do not. the Mets are much more on the clock, right? So it's a little more urgent for them to win uh, than it is for the Yankees as well as some other teams. I believe so. Now the Mets have some a couple of good ball places. A catcher, the catching prospect is amazing, and he might be behind the dish next year. But um, yes, the uh, the big thing for the Mets is their four starting pitches are all at least thirty four and above. So that's uh, you know that's that's and and Jacob Degrom says he's testing the waters of a free agency. Okay. And why wouldn't he if he stays healthy and and if he leads the Mets to a, a world championship, he'd be a fool not to test the right. waters. And so would Aaron Judge be a fool not to sure. test the waters? Right. You know, the, hey, man, this is their payday. God bless them. You and I would do the same right. thing. I mean, you, you have I, to. You have yeah. to when it's, yeah. you know, um, people talk about, and this is something that, that, that continues to bother me. And I, I understand the the notion of of loyalty to an organization, loyalty to a team, but um, – but you really do. You have to. You have to look out for yourself. And I know that 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 doesn't make a lot of sense to, you know, us that are that are you know we're not making millions. So if you're making, what's right. the difference between you know three point five and four point two? Um, but spoiler alert, it's a lot, right? So like, you got yeah. you got it. They have to be able to look out for what's going to happen after their career ends, right? Because if you have a career-ending injury. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you need to make sure that you're you're set and we can make the argument all day. Well, you know, they should have gotten their degree. They should have, you know, they should have blah, blah, blah. Well, that's but that's not what we as fans want. Right. We as fans want them when they're younger so we can watch them ascend to the peak of their powers. That's what we're asking for. So we can't be mad when they leave the system early and uh, and now they have to go back and get their degree and they don't have, you know, a second uh, profession to fall back on. I don't think we can be that upset about it when they decide they want their payday to make sure that they and their family are secure. So, um, so yeah, it absolutely makes sense to me that they, they've got to, they've got to test the waters and they have to do what's best for them. And they all decide yeah. what their priorities are. I know sometimes we look at a player going to a team and go, you know, you're never going to win a championship there. And it's like, sure, but I'm going to make an extra 10 mil, <laughs> you know, uh, so it's a big lure, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a big lure. And also, um, Championships are great. But there are a lot of greats who have never won championships, and we've never once doubted whether or not they wanted a championship. Nobody has ever doubted whether or not Jim Kelly wanted to win a Super Bowl ring, right? Ted Williams. Nobody's, nobody has ever ever doubted that for a second. Nobody doubted that Barry Sanders wanted a Super Bowl ring either. either right. right? He retired right. earlier than anybody thought he would, but nobody doubted that that was what he wanted. So 
you know, you got it. You, you know, it's, it's great to see a player chase a championship, but sometimes they chase championships and they never catch them. So. Yeah. Like I just said, the, arguably the greatest left-handed hitter in the, in the history of the game guy that played, I don't know, 23 seasons. Uh, went, uh, was it, uh, went to, went, was in two wars, Korean war and the uh, world war two and the Korean war. Ted Williams never won a championship, played his entire career with the Red Sox. Yeah. Never won, never won a championship, but uh, no, you know, it's, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot. So, yeah, right. it is definitely yes. Yes. Okay, so are we ready to move on from MLB? I think so. I think I think we're. Okay. I think we covered yeah. some good ground there, Joe. Thank you for yeah, th- for uh, guiding us through. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, as you know, it's I bleed Yankee pinstripe, and I I love baseball, so <laughs> it's easy for me. I just hope I get it right. That's you know, all. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens next. Enjoy yeah. the, that's why they play the game. That's right. That's exactly right. So the NFL. Go ahead, Chris. Right, yeah. I, I, I defer. Man, I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. Um, man, I just I hate some of the calls I'm seeing out there. Um, I bet, huh? Well, okay. So I'm going to keep this... You know, it's been we. I don't think we've spoken since the start of the NFL season. Is that correct? Uh, we have not. No. All right. So you know, there's been there's been some some weird stuff that's happened for sure. Um, it, surprising things, right? We were surprised that who was who was two and zero walking into week three, which of course, as mm-hmm. speaking, it's Tuesday the twenty seventh, which means week three completed last night with the Cowboys. So there's been some surprising, you know, the Dolphins beating the Bills. That was a big surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I know I certainly didn't. Uh, Dolphins fans, uh, Arco perhaps saw that coming. Uh, Dolphins yep. fans were sort of talking about it going into the season, but um, you know, and you don't you don't crown them yet, but um, but they're off to a, a killer start, right? They're one of two teams, two undefeated teams left. Um, so so good on them. Uh. But yeah, so specifically the Giants Cowboys game, um, there were a number of things that about the Giants that I didn't like, and a number of things about the calls that I didn't like. So let me start with the calls. Um, there were some bad ones. Uh, some of them were just calls that I, I disagree with, but technically is correct. So for but they're kind of soft. So uh, last night I, I there was an unsportsman like call against Dallas that came a little bit later in the game. I think it was the third third quarter, and. Um, and it was because a uh, Giants receiver had thrown a football towards the ref that happened to be in the same direction as a Cowboy player who batted it away. Now, it, it didn't seem malicious that he batted it away. It looked like the ball was being tossed at him. Mm-hmm. Of course, I mean, that's what I would have done, too. I would have been mad if the player, if the receiver made a catch. I might have batted the ball away, too, if he was throwing it to me. They called unsportsmanlike. That's a 15-yard penalty. Um, of course, that doesn't end up costing the Cowboys the game, but it's it's that was still at a point where um where the Giants could still win, and I thought mm-hmm. that was a uh, even though by the rules that's that's the right call. Uh, I just thought it was a poor one, you know. Uh, yeah, I, it sounds very ticky tack. Right, yeah, very and and I you know it's it's I've talked about this before. I've complained about the 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 killjoy that is the NFL official, <laughs> which stems from the NFL. So I'm not just blaming the refs here. Um, but you know, not allowing players to celebrate. So the unsportsmanlike stuff, some of that I think is, is just nonsense. Um, but then, you know, this is one area that I just, I have not had a handle on in probably, probably like eight years, six, seven, maybe eight years, pass interference. Um, I, 
man, I I don't know that I hate any call more than uh, the unsportsmanlike stuff that we've seen, but a close second is going to be the pass interference. There was a mm. route that Sterling Shepard uh, was running. He was going across the field. He was going, going over the middle. Um, the ball was not thrown to him, okay? Uh, the ball was thrown to, I want to say it was Galladay, uh, Kenny Galladay. I was going to ask you about him. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a whole other thing, but yes. which I assure you I'll get to. Um, but big catch for him, 21-yard gain for the Giants, and it's called back. Why? Offensive pass interference against Sterling Shepard, who hit the guy who was on coverage for Galladay. It could not be more clear that Sterling is running a route. He's running a route, he's underneath, and did not even see the defender until he ran into him. It's the very last second. He gives a little jump and shows his shoulder. But it's because he, but he's so he's so clearly under the route that Galladay is running that it just and it undoes all it undoes that twenty one yard gain, right? Mm. And that was that was a big swing for the Giants too. And for anybody who's about to jump on me, I promise I'm not saying the Giants should have won that game. I assure you, I'm not saying that, um, but I am saying that I think those those pass interference calls and and on both sides they were man they were they were just bad they were just bad calls, um, and by the definition of the rule maybe they're accurate I'm not going to say the refs were wrong I'm going to say that the intention was there and I just it's it's like the hits on the quarterback um, I just I hate. I hate the ticky tacky of the call. If you're actually trying to protect the players, just protect the players. Um, you know, get rid of yeah. Just, just get rid of the things that hurt players, one or the other. But I don't think you can do try and navigate this middle ground the way that the NFL does, where they're like they they're you know they're putting on a show, right? They're they're virtue signaling right now. So uh, calls were mm-hmm. bad. I did not like that. I did not really enjoy watching uh, a lot of the football game. If I'm being honest. Well, every time I watch a football game, every time my team uh, makes a play downfield and a great catch, a receiver makes a great catch, and or uh, you know, um, yeah, or a big one, please no flag, please no flag, please no flag, <laughs> and then there's like something in the backfield or something that's yards right, twenty yards away, and you know, it's like, oh come on, yeah, you have offensive holding on the other end, yeah, like, yeah, it just takes all the air out of the it's balloon. Technically, technically, it's offensive it, holding. I get it. Right. You know, sometimes it's like we've seen too many men on the ice in hockey, and it's like, come on, man. He was nowhere near this. This had no impact. None, uh, you know. Um, so... I think they flip a coin in their head, Chris. It's like it's like the check swing in baseball. That's the most ridiculous call in the entire game. It's like, oh, did he break his wrist? Did the bat break the plane of the plate? What the hell are you talking about? He swung or he didn't swing? And it's like they flip a coin in their head. They really do. Well, and it depends too, right? Because the, this is the other thing is that, you know, they also missed some big calls. They missed a really, really egregious holding call against the Giants. It was bad, man. They had – they had <laughs> – this was a double team, both – both guys holding holding this receiver and there's no flag none and it Say it, 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 and they it, missed the ball. You scratch your head but right of course the giants were down at the time so i do i think sometimes we we see that and it's a very human element but they they sometimes they try and balance the playing field by calling stuff they shouldn't call or missing calls that they shouldn't miss because that particular holding call that they missed that absolutely impacted the play that 100% impacted yeah. the play Sure. Um, but they didn't call it. So that was a bad no call against the Giants. Um, you know, so so again, uh, this isn't me just trying to be a homer over here. Uh, 
complaining that's unfair. I just, it wasn't fun for me to watch. Um, the Giants, they are, they, you know, Joe, they are who I thought they were. Um, I've been mm-hmm. complaining about this for a while. It's their offensive line. Um, it was, it was just, it was bad. I mean, uh, I think the Cowboys had seven sacks by the end of the night. I was going to ask you because I watched the um, the uh, highlights. I, I counted four. They showed on the on the highlights, yeah, and and three of those belonged to one guy. Um, it was it was just it was bad. The offensive line, like you know, they were they were asking for they were asking for help. They they pitch Barkley. They pitch other guys out there to you know just throw a block before running a route or just help out. And um and it was just it was the same. They were getting beat the same way uh, on a couple of plays. So it was just you know this. I think the new regime is going to do well. I think the new regime knows what they're doing, and I trust that they know more about football than I do. But for, for gosh, 10 years, close to 10. Yeah, we've seen this movie so many times before. I don't care about your fantastic skill, your position players, your skill players. Like I, I don't care. You don't have an offensive line. You don't have anything. And that's what we saw the Giants do last night. Um, is they they just they got harassed. Um, I will say this, Daniel Jones. I got to give him credit. Uh, he looked decent. I thought he was. I thought he was doing the best he could. He used his legs a lot. Yeah, he did it. So that in the in the in the, uh, in the um, uh, you know the, what, I, what I was watching earlier. Yes, no, I mean he did. He made some good plays with his legs, but he didn't. He was not giving up on the pass, um, despite how hard and how frequently he was getting hit. Despite how many times he was being harassed, I think he was hurried thirteen times in the first. Wow, um, you know that's that's a lot. That's so many so many times for him to be hurried. Um, you know, and and there were times where there just wasn't a place for him to throw, and then there were other times where he didn't have time. Uh, the routes couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't afford to wait for the routes to develop. So that offensive line was was just they just they need so much help. Um, and I think they've. I think the Giants in the past. Gosh, I want to say in the past eight years have drafted – maybe it's the past ten. Now I'm trying to remember if the past eight years or the past ten, but the Giants have drafted an offensive lineman with like their first – with a first with a first round pick four times. Four times like in the past decade. And none of those guys are on the roster right now. Talent evaluation. I, it's just, you know, I just I – don't, I don't know what more to – if they would just call me, I'm going to – <laughs> you know, I just it's it's just bad. So that's you know, I think that this is what I talked about. I think we talked about this offline. Um, that the first two games the Giants won came down to a coin flip. It was exchanging field goals, and they just happened to get the final say in both games. And don't get me wrong, they worked for it. They absolutely worked for it. Um, you know, they the wins that they got against, you know, the Titans, um, and gosh, who else did they they beat? No, I can't remember. Um, Giants, uh, they beat the Titans, Titans and uh, last week, and then week one was the Bengals. No, 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 not the Bengals. Oh, the Panthers. They beat the Panthers, Panthers, Panthers in yeah. week one. They beat the Panthers in week two. Um, right. They earned the wins. They they did. They 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 played hard, and uh, you know, Dabble has them has them fighting hard. He he's an aggressive play caller, which. You know, we've been dying for for a while since even before Coughlin left New York. Right, mm-hmm. um, we've been dying for that kind of aggressive play calling, going for the win and not for the tie, which has been. I was thinking it was great. Um, so he's he's but he's doing the best with what the best he can with what he has. But um, 
But yeah, it's just it's just they they were winning because they were exchanging they were exchanging field goals and they just happened to be on sort of the the right end of that at the end of the game and they couldn't afford to do that with the Cowboys last night and so you know they they exchanged for a little bit they exchanged points like that and then the Cowboys said all right we're done and the, the, they just left the Giants behind you know um, so I I thought the Giants tried to hang in there they need help uh, on the offensive line. And uh, and it's going to be even worse now because Sterling Shepard is now out with a torn ACL in his right knee. That <sighs> happened at the end of the game last night, which, I mean, it's never good to have a torn ACL, but also to have it in, in garbage time like that. Um, yeah. Quite garbage sucks. time. Like the Giants had a chance to get that touchdown, but the way they had played all night, we, we knew they weren't going to get it, right? Like kick a field goal to win it, maybe, but to, but to score a touchdown, no. They they were down 10. They, they drove. They couldn't finish the drive. They got a field goal. Um, they needed a touchdown. They weren't going to be able to get it. We we all knew that. Um, but now Sterling Shepard's down, and that's big. Uh, Galladay is garbage. He just is. What's the deal with Galladay? Is he uh, is he wearing his welcome out? Oh, he, no, it's it's he's worn it out already. You know, they, he's worn they, it out. they paid okay. him this big contract, and yeah. um, and he's gosh, what is it? I think he's I think he is due. So far, based on how much he's played this year, he's made seventeen thousand dollars like a route that he's run, <laughs> which you know. It's not nothing. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, but, you know, they paid him a big contract. They made it. The contract says you're our guy. Um, but now he's he's getting very, very limited play time. And, you know, if you, Joe, if you said to me, Chris, I'm going to pay you $17,000 for each of these routes that you run. You've got this money that's guaranteed. I want you to look, just, just go on the field, just run, look like you're thinking about catching the ball, and then don't worry about it. <laughs> and I'm going to have to sit on the bench for about a quarter and a half before you br- before I bring you back in and you're a decoy. If you ask me to do those things, I'd say, oh, that's that's no problem, Joe. Uh, do you think I'm going to be hit? And you'll say, no, Chris. They know the ball's not going to you, but we're going to try and pretend like it is. And I'll say, oh, okay, Joe. Well, in that case, I'm happy to go out there and look pretty. <laughs> um, that's where, where Galladay is. And then he went and, and mouthed off about it because he wasn't happy about mm-hmm. it. I am all for the guys who say, give me the ball. I'm all for those guys. <laughs> But uh, he hasn't done anything to prove that he should be their number one. Exactly. There were a couple of times that we've seen them throw it to him, and he drops it. You know, he had a case of the dropsies. He had it last night. Um, You know, he did have that 21-yard catch that, through no fault of his own, got called back. But uh, And it was at a key moment. But but it was a 21-yard catch. Come on now. If if that's the highlight that you're going to point to in a losing game – I don't think you have a leg to stand on. So he's been complaining about lack of play time. And I'm sorry, I just don't think he's earned it. Um, I think in this case, be a team player, you work. And uh, if you're unhappy with your role on the team, I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. You're being paid a lot of money to do nothing. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't like him. Um, I, I don't think that he is that interested in improving. Um, and he doesn't make the most out of every opportunity he has on the field. His limited number of snaps, he does not make the most of those opportunities. And you could say, Chris, you're not a professional. You don't know whether he is or not. That's fair. That's no. We're fans, though. We, as, as fans, we can we, we watch the game, we see what's going on, and, and we we have a right to our opinion. Yeah, that's my assessment. Is he right. is not he is not really showing us anything to prove that he deserves to be out there. I think he'll be out there more now because Sterling Shepard's out, but uh, that mm-hmm. is to the detriment of the Giants. And we'll see whether or not that they devil may not even go that way. Right. Um, and then defense, I just, 
man, they were struggling last night. They were not setting the edge. And so they were getting beaten wide. And I just, you know, it, it's very frustrating as a fan. And I'm sure it was frustrating for the, the coaching staff too and for other players. Obviously, to yeah. see this unfold play after play after play and go, why are we giving up these big gains? Set the edge, force him back inside, make him work for it, make him find a hole so that we can, you know, have a chance at him. But once once these guys bounce outside, linemen aren't going to catch him. You know, there are very few defensive linemen who can catch a runner on the outside. Uh, they are very, very special players to be that big and to be able to move that fast that they can catch a running back bouncing to the outside or a or wide receiver bouncing to the outside. Um, and the Giants don't have them. Giants just don't have them. So, uh, yeah. so it was very frustrating last night to see time after time going, you didn't set the edge. This is what happens when you don't set the edge. And for anybody who's listening is going, Chris, what the hell are you talking about? Setting the edge means that you're setting up outside of the formation. As a defensive mm-hmm. player, you want to take the long way around if you're trying to set the edge because you're worried about a runner. Now, I understand that the inclination is to go inside if you're going for the quarterback because, you know, inside is faster than outside. But if you have a runner who's going to bounce to the outside or a quarterback who's going to bounce to the outside, if you don't set the edge, if you get caught on the inside and the blocker is on the outside, well, now they've got all sorts of room on the edge of the field to make things happen. They can start dancing. When you set the edge, you either force them to go even further to the to the sideline, which means they have a lot less real estate to navigate, or you force them back inside, which is where most of your teammates are. Um, so the Giants defensively were not setting the edge, and it cost them. Well, who was one of the greatest? Who was the greatest guy coming off the edge? The greatest guy coming off the edge? I honestly can't say. Well, be probably LT, no? No, no, LT was a linebacker. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, he's a linebacker, but, you know. I'm thinking, you know, usually when we're looking at setting, I mean, here, linebackers can set the edge, but usually in a 4-3 scheme, we're looking at defensive ends setting the edge. Okay, yes. So, you know, I, 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 you know, JPP was was good at it because he also had those big hands, so he'd get his hands up to block passes and. And he could, he was big enough that he could manhandle his opponent, his, his the blocker, so he could, he could try and set that edge. Um, but you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know what you do about it. Um, I, they, I think just, I don't think it's a coaching thing, I think they're just short on talent. So I think the Giants are going to be who they, you know, I think they're going to do better this year. You know, Arco in a previous episode, Arco gave them a little more grace than I did. And so to his credit, I think Arco's going to be right. I do think the Giants are going to win more games than I gave him credit for, but um. But it's going to be uh, uh, if that is the case, then it's a matter of a good chef working with subpar ingredients to put together something. <laughs> um, and I, you know, a lot depends on the season for Daniel Jones. But um, but it sounds a lot like if he has even even a decent season. And right now, his his accuracy is is pretty good. I think over the first three games, he's been seventy percent accurate. Um, okay, which is, you know, which is pretty good. Um, his decision making has been decent overall. Uh, again, he's shown some of that athleticism, but also hanging in the pocket. I think some of those plays, like the, some of the shovel passes we've seen from him, have been kind of gutsy. There have been some well designed plays. I think the Giants are going to hold on to him unless he has an absolute implosion, um, because they just they they don't they've got too many other gaps to fill. I think mm-hmm. if, I think if Daniel Jones is ser- is a serviceable quarterback, I think they will keep him go okay 
you know, he's better than Trent Dilfer, and Trent Dilfer won a championship. <laughs> sure. They're going to try and figure out what those other pieces are because, um, you know, for the past, like, decade, management has not known how to address those problems. And they've gone out and they've gotten some really, really great talents in OBJ and Saquon Barkley, but uh, Sterling Shepard. Um, but none of those guys are, are blocking and giving your quarterback time to to throw it. So I think those are the real holes they need to address. I think their defense needs to get better. And I th- their defense played okay. They, they want them to get better. And uh, they, that offensive line, man, it just, it just needs work. It just needs work. It's needed, like you said, it needs to work for a decade. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to happen. So, um, so that's where I am on the on the Giants. Why don't you give us a little bit of Jets, and then we'll do around the league. What do you think? Well, uh, just a couple of things about the Giants because I did watch the, yeah. uh, the the replay. You know, the uh, the highlights. Um, uh, maybe uh, Mister um, Galladay should have been watching the kid Lamb make that great catch one handed in the that end was, zone. That was a, that was pretty amazing. That was after he <laughs> dropped what probably would have been a touchdown earlier in the game. Yeah. They showed that, yes. Yeah. And that kid, uh, I don't know, uh, is this kid known as Tony Pollard? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, he, he took off, in, in, I think it was in the first half, and he just ran right through everybody. Not like he bowled them over. He just ran through them like he was the flesh. Then they, they, they didn't even see him. That was His acceleration was incredible. Yeah. No, Pollard, no, just absolutely incredible. Uh, so, I, I, that, I, you know, that uh, kid looked really good. And um, this backup QB for uh, Dallas, uh, what's his name again? Oh, gosh. Uh Oh, um, Hirsch? Is it, was no, it Rush? Rush. Rush, Rush, yeah. Something Rush. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second. I was like, oh, I was just thinking, oh, Rush. <laughs> so how was, I mean, how was he going to be on the center? Do we know how, when Zach, Dak will be so back? It sounds like he just, I think they were saying last night that Dak just had a, a big stitch removed from his thumb. He said it feels good. Okay. So uh, I'm sure they won't rush him back, especially because Rush has been serviceable, right? The Cowboys are now at 2-1. and one. Yeah, there, I think, and it was a divisional win over the Giants. I think the Cowboys are are happy with where they're at and do not feel the need to rush Dak back. So, um, so I I haven't heard anything about a timeline. I haven't looked too deeply at it, but it sounds like they're progressing. Dak is progressing ahead of schedule. Um, but it's not. But it also seems as though there's not necessarily any sort of rush to to bring him back, given that you know rush right now is is two and zero. Okay, I, yeah, I would agree with that. As as far as the. Uh... The New York Jets, which is not my team, the Giants are my team. But uh, um, yesterday morning, Monday morning, uh, here on New York and Sports Radio, um, uh, here in the Big Apple, the land of the constant overreaction, <laughs> sports radio and Jet fans are ready to jump off every bridge that's spanning the East River right now. But that's not enough. The IRA fandom wants to take Rob Sala and his staff with them for not showing up. In Sunday's game against the Bengals. That's what I was thinking about before the Bengals. Yeah. They lost the 27 12. Um, you know, um, and you, you think about it, even though the Jets won time possession and outgaining the, uh, the Ravens by 100 yards uh, by running more plays, they, they just could not score. They couldn't put points on the board. It was four, four field goals, and it's just. It's pathetic. It's lackluster, and it's uh, you talk about the Giants, uh, you know, not being able to uh, beef up that offensive line for ten years. Well, it's been it's been a decade of this with the Jets, with just constant letdowns, and and now they you know, there's a lot of people calling for Salah's head. Yeah, I mean, he's now had twenty games. He uh, with the uh, uh, coaching the team, he's four and sixteen. Yeah, that's pretty damn bad. Yeah. No, that. That's yeah, a bad so. And even the and even that fourth win, you know, the win that they had last week against the the Browns, that was that was historically <laughs> bad in terms of 
what the Browns gave away, right? And that's sort of what happened against the Bengals this week. It feels like karma came, you know, the backlash, the karmic backlash really hit them is what it seemed. Yeah. Baseball, we talk about the baseball gods. I guess there's football gods mm-hmm. too that, that, that come and get you. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, the best thing about the Jets is uh, every Monday morning, if they're playing on Sunday or, or Tuesday morning, they're playing on, on, on a Monday night. Uh, it's, it's just great to snap on the fan and, and watch, watch guys like Boomer Esaias and who CBS lost the feed during the Jet game for, <laughs> for a while. And they had to go back to the studio. So, um, so uh, Boomer and um, – and Phil were doing the play-by-play, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But Boom was a big Jet fan, obviously, and it, it's just just to watch him, uh, listen to him on the day after the Jets lose. It's just delightful. It really is. It's just it's it's, just, it's so hysterical. And then you get to then you get to the afternoon when you get Cotton and Roberts. They're big Jet fans, and they just like you know. It's like these guys are going to open up their veins on the radio. It's just. Um, it, it it's it, it makes for as I said earlier it makes for good it makes for good uh, theater on the radio, but uh, you know I don't I don't hate the Jets just like I don't hate the Mets, um, I don't hate the Red Sox, and the Cowboys, right. <laughs> and the Astros, and the Dodgers, but uh, I don't hate the Jets. But uh, you, you, I think you're right, Chris. When your assessment um, a few weeks ago when we did this uh, last sports short that I couldn't believe you said the the Giants would win more games than the Jets. I think you're right. I don't see how this team was in a football game. Well, again, you know, it's just it's, some of it is scheduling and some of it is just the way that they play, right? But I, I, I just – they're in a really tough division. They really um, are. You know, they have – it's it's going to be tough no matter who they go against in that division, especially the Dolphins showing up uh, in, a, in a way that people didn't necessarily – most of us didn't expect this year. Um, so, I, you know, I if, there, if people are calling for Salah's head uh, – you know, at that point, if you're if, if you've got 20 games under your belt, um, I don't feel good about it. But I'll also say he wasn't set up for success. So if no. you want to burn down the whole regime, I, I can appreciate that because any any incoming GM is going to want to uh, probably want their own coach anyway. Sure. With. Um, but you know, I think it's I think it's just one of those things that uh, that. I, I would need to really, I think, really watch the Jets games to see how I felt about him in particular. But, um, you know, Fant just went down, injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another another injury woe for the for the Jets. And it's not like when Zach Wilson comes back, he's likely to set the world on fire. But it's, you know, when you're fighting these types of injuries too, that's not just tough uh, on the team. It's it's demoralizing too, right? So it's not oh, it is. Yeah. No, I mean – um, it's still early in the season. Um, there's still technically time. I'm just going on looks, right? Like in in past years, if the Giants were two and one, I'd be fine with it. If they could, if they could win next week, because you know, if you're if you're only dropping a game per quarter of the season, uh, you're in great shape, right? If you only drop, let's say, especially you've got that extra game now. Let's say you drop one game for each quarter of the season. You know, mm. that puts you at only five losses. That's huge. that puts you at twelve and five. Um, yeah. Well, you make the playoffs. Yeah, you're making the playoffs, and you likely won your division. Um, so, so we're playing the Bears next week, the Giants, right? It's, is it the Bears uh, the Giants next week? Chicago next okay. week. So, you know, is there time for the Jets and the Giants to turn things around? I mean, technically, but again, oh, the yes. way that they play, um, uh, the Giants don't have a shot of winning their division because the Eagles are three and zero, and apparently know exactly who they are. Um, mm-hmm. So you know they're 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 hot. They're going on terror again. One of only two. I think I mentioned earlier that they're one of the two. But in, in case I made a mistake, I apologize. It's the Dolphins and the Eagles. They're the only remaining uh, 
Undefeated. Right. Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, and the Jets next week are at uh, the Steelers, right? Yeah. And uh, who's the QB there? Is that, is that uh, Zabrinsky? Uh, I don't even that, know at this point, honestly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who's who? Yeah, who's, I mean, the Steelers in a little bit. Yeah, Trubisky. Trubisky, Zabrinsky. <laughs> I'm thinking of what's his name? The. Uh, the Russian writer, I think. <laughs> no, no, wasn't. No, he was the chief. He was a. He was in somebody's administration, some president's yeah. administration. I, um, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> uh, well, I can't know. Um, but you know, I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, neither neither team looks good, um, and yeah. there's been some surprising stuff too. The, the, these first couple of weeks have been. I think. I think the beginning of every NFL season is weird. I just do. Uh, Guys got to find their feet. You know, how many years did we see? Oh, are the Patriots in trouble under Tom Brady? Well, no, they're not. It's just it's week two and they're one and one. They're not yeah. in trouble. They're they're fine. Just uh, calm down. They're only at five hundred. There have been two games. Calm down. We're not halfway through the season and they're six and six, right? Um, so the Dolphins again, Tua looks really really good. Uh, the Bills had a really unexpected loss, but um, but. They'll be okay. Their defense was really struggling. Um, so we'll sort of see what happens there. Uh, and then to wrap up that division, you know, the Patriots are one and two. They don't look like they're in good shape. Um, I don't put anything past Bill Belichick, but I just – I don't think the Patriots are the and – I'm, and I'm sure I'm not alone, and I'm sure I'm not, you know, the first one to this opinion, but the Patriots are not the powerhouse in that division anymore. Um, no. And it may be a minute before they are again, so – uh, so I think that's what the Jets are tangling with. Um, the Cowboys looked good. Not great, but good. They look like a solid team. Um, they're still the only team in the NFL that I hate. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it is. Uh, and then Washington, uh, take them or leave them. You know, I think, I think, I think the Giants will lose both drop both games to the Eagles. I do think that they will end up dropping both games to the Cowboys. I think if they were going to beat the Cowboys last night was the night to do it. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, So that's, you know, that's going on there. Um, The Bucks, they're weird. They're weird. There are a lot, again, just a lot of weird things going on in the NFL right now. And I'm just not sure what different teams are doing. The teams that I'm like, that I feel confident in going, okay, I mean, this may not be who they are completely, but like the Eagles know what they're doing. The Dolphins know what they're doing. Kansas City and Buffalo, okay, they both dropped the ball this week, but they both know what they're doing. Um, I really want to see the Browns lose. They're two and one. I'm not worried about it. They'll, they'll they will come back. <laughs> um, the AFC South is I I don't I expected the Titans to drop this year, but not this badly. They just they look really bad this season. Um, but again, only three game sampling size. Um, the Rams are off to a pretty strong start at two and one. Uh, the 49ers are, are, you know, probably their their best competition in that in that division. Um, mm-hmm. I have not been watching the NFC North much, um, so we'll see what happens with the Giants and the Bears next week. Um, I honestly don't know what to expect there. And uh, the NFC South again is I think I think I think it's just the Bucks for the losing, but um, but some but th- there's there's a lot of stuff going on with Tom Brady and where Brady goes, this team goes. So. If he can't figure out his personal stuff, um, I I think the Bucks will tumble. So, uh, not quite as specific as perhaps people would like, but uh, man, it's, it's been it, it has been a struggle for me to watch football this year. It just as 
I, I Chris, I've watched very little. I mean, uh, and that's mostly because I'm so invested in Yankees and Mets. And yeah. this we haven't had we haven't had a year like this since 2000 in New York, right. with both teams are you know destined for the playoffs and maybe maybe hopefully God willing destined for a, another Subway Series. So and we have the Iron Judge story. We have different stories going on. There's so many great stories in baseball this year we talked about earlier. So right now my focus is I am you know. I got the blinders on for MLB right now. Sure. Well, and even when you don't, I mean, if you're, if, and if people out there are enjoying football, like good for you, I just, you know, like, and we did, we had a number of like close games this past weekend, but even those, you know, the Buccaneers uh, dropping the game against the Packers that they, they screwed up with the delay of game, um, which was really unlike Tom Brady uh, to, uh, to have that kind of, excuse me, uh, that kind of screw up on a two point conversion that, that should have gone in over time and, and now the Bucks have a chance. Um, but, you know, even the close games, some of them have just felt sloppy. The Giants games have been close, um, but not not because we've seen an outstanding defensive showdown. You know, the Packers-Bucks game, you know, that, that was 14-12, but that was, that's misleading. If you see the end of the game, it's like, wow, that was really anticlimactic, you know. Um, and, again, some of those calls, I just, the refereeing, the pace of the game, um yeah, it's just it's been tough. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep for you sports fans. We're gonna keep trying to watch football on this end behind the desk. But but man, it feels like a little bit of a struggle when we could be watching good baseball or good hockey, which is coming up. So oh, hockey, yes. And Chris, right now, a uh, breaking news uh, as we sit here on uh, let's see uh, what is it about eight thirty nine thirty uh, in New York on the, as I sit here in New York, I should say you're you're now earlier. Yep. You are, but. Um, on September 27th, the Braves are up 8-2 to two over the Nationals in the 8th. And the Yankees are up 5-2 to the uh, Blue Jays in the 8th. And uh, well, who the hell cares about the Red Sox? And, uh-oh, the Mets are down 6-3 to three to the Marlins. The Marlins, give me a break here. Come on. The Mets are down to the Marlins. So um, if that holds, then we wake up tomorrow morning and the Mets and the, uh, uh, the Braves are in a, st- a statistical dead heat for first place in the National League East, and if the Yankee game holds, and they win the division. So um, this is why I'm not watching football. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much. This has been, uh, Chris, I don't remember a, a more fun baseball season since 2000. Wow. This, wow. Yeah, That's, this uh, is, yeah. Some high praise right there. Yeah, the entire generation has gone by since I've seen a baseball season like this, and I'm loving every minute right. of it. So I got to have one New York team that's got to win the World Championship this year. One of them. Uh, you know, I wanted to be the Yankees, but if it can't be, then please, dear Lord, let it be the Mets. Right. Just for my cousin Frank. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's where we are right now. Unless you got anything else, I think that takes us to the end of uh, the NFL. Am I, am I right about that, sir? Takes us to the NFL. Um, uh, I did say earlier that uh, the the playoffs begin on the 7th, right, of October. And is that not the uh, – is. is that not the pup traps for the NHL? The NHL regular season. Oh baby! <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exciting, uh, exciting stuff. Can't, can't wait to see. Um, you know, can't, can't. I just can't wait to see what we're looking at here. Um, I think- Chris, where, where are your seats in the um, Enterprise Center? Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, we're in section 303. So um, we're we're pretty high up, row M, uh, around okay. the aisle, and uh, we're we're kind of like center ice. So I I, I like the bird's eye view. Um, even with better seats, I'd rather not be uh, rinkside for more than like a game because it's it's cool to be rinkside 
Um, but only if the action happens right in front of you. When the puck gets in the corners, I, you can't see anything. Yeah, I, I like the bird's eye view. Uh, when I, I used to sit as a kid all the time. I was sitting in the upper deck at Yankee Stadium behind the plate. Yeah. Whole field was right in front of yeah. you. It's, yeah. it's cool to be really close to the players sometimes, but uh, in terms of like the perspective of the game, I, I like being higher up. So, um, so yeah. yeah, so so that's that's where we'll be. Um, I am planning on going to Thursday night's preseason game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, hmm. Lose against the Blue Jackets, so it's meaningless. But I'm excited about it. It'll be their first uh, huh. home preseason game, and then. Um, and then we actually the Blues don't start at home until uh, the fifteenth October fifteenth. Wow! So, Whole weeks after the yeah, season starts. Yeah, wow. yeah, we start we start late. I think at that point, man. I think yeah. It's just it's 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 weird. We by the time we see Columbus for the regular season opener on the on the gosh, what did I just say? The fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've already played like three, four games. I think they've already played three games. Um, so it's, it, the scheduling is a little bit weird, but, uh, I, I only pay so much attention to s- scheduling. I know it's, I know it's a big component, um, as to how players do. It definitely matters. Um, you know, we saw it last season when a number of those, those games that were postponed got tacked onto the end of the season. And so guys were being run ragged, uh, going into the playoffs, playing, you know, back to back to back games that normally they would have had, you know, two games over four nights instead of, you know, three or or four over five, um, it matters, but it's just not something I look too closely at because uh, what are you going to do, right? Like, there's just there's not a lot for it except to complain to the NHL. <laughs> so you know, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm really really excited to, to go into this season, and it's going to be interesting too. The the off season's been interesting in terms of signings. Uh, I know we <laughs> we have such high hopes on this show, Joe. I think we reset lofty goals. We were going to review each of the. The NA, local NHL teams uh, do a preview going into the season, and and here we are uh, having talked the Rangers, and it's the start of the season. So, and, yeah. well, we still have time to do that. We could we maybe we could squeeze it in in the next in the next week or so. <laughs> um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. It's it's been interesting because um, the contracts that are being signed right now are being signed in advance of the salary cap likely being increased in the next two to five years. It was supposed to happen this year, but because of the pandemic, the argument was made that we just they couldn't afford to raise the salary cap like they had planned. But that is likely coming in the next two to five years. So we're seeing a number of contracts being signed right now that are in anticipation of that that look like probably more money than we want to see players get signed to for what they're worth now. But when you think about it in the context of, oh, right, the salary cap's going to go up in the next two to five years. Um it makes more sense why they would be making those those signings happen now at those prices instead of instead of waiting for that to happen. Um, there's one in particular that I was that I was thinking of with the Buffalo Sabers, um, and I I think it was oh gosh I think it was Alex Tuck. I think it was Alex Tuck, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong about that. Um, but there was a signing with the Sabers that people were kind of scratching their heads, like is he worth that kind of money? Well. Maybe not if the salary cap were to be static, but with it going up, they're they're sort of signing these contracts in advance of where they think players will go. Uh, it's sort of like you know how they were trying to the Yankees were trying to sign Aaron Judge before he free agency. Right? Mm-hmm. You try and get these guys, you give them more money than you were giving them before, but you try to give them less money uh, so that you can get, you know you're not you don't want to pay for them at the height of their powers, right? If no. so um, okay. so I think that's some interesting stuff we're going to see. 
unfold in this in this upcoming year as these contracts have been signed and continue to be signed. Cool. Thank you, Chris. That's uh, I mean, as you know, I'm 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 psyched. Uh, you brought me back to uh, to hockey. And I'm glad I'm back. And, hey, we're, uh, no, we're, we're glad to have you. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, you know, you had mentioned previously the kid line and it's unlikely now with Trocheck in the mix coming over from Carolina. It's unlikely they keep the line that the kid line together, even though all three players will still be on the ice for the Rangers. Um but it'll be interesting to see what happens now that they've got some more time with the organization, more time with the team. What happens when they get mixed into other lines? Yeah, you know, this is the stuff I got to learn as as as, as I uh, reintegrate myself into the into the game. Not that I knew much about it in years ago, but uh, I need to. Uh, and I, you know, as um, as um, Kirk said to um, um, uh, St- uh, what's his name. Um, uh, Captain Decker in Star Trek, the motion picture. I'm sure you'll nurse me through this, mister. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll get me through this, Chris. <laughs> so, I mean, the other thing that I'll say, too, about about hockey that I really appreciate, um, I had mentioned on a previous episode of reading um, um, Redefining Fandom and uh, the, the book that I like by Craig Calcaterra. And... You know, sometimes it's it's nice to be able to go into the season uh, knowing everybody on the roster, knowing what the expectations are, knowing how, you know, you want to see the team grow going into this year from last year, that sort of thing. Um, that can be nice, but also sometimes it's fun to come to it with nothing and be pleasantly surprised, right? That was sort of the – what I really enjoyed about last season was the joy that you got from, mm. from you know, from your new best friend and watching – Yeah, you go yeah. Not knowing what to expect and going, this this guy is bonkers. <laughs> yes. You know, that, that can only be captured once, right? Like, he's still going to have amazing plays this season, but you know what to expect now. So sometimes it's easy to be, like, disappointed that a player does this or doesn't do that when you know what to expect. And so there's also something to be said for coming to the sport fresh. So for anybody out there who's like, I don't know enough about hockey to follow it, that's actually one of the things I really like about hockey that I don't think you're missing. If you don't know all the players, if you don't know the background, if you don't know that Trocheck coming in from Carolina is good for the Rangers but does mess with the, the so-called kid line, that's okay. I don't really think you're missing out on that much if that's not how you want to enjoy the sport. I think you can just watch and enjoy it for what it is. And if you don't, that's okay too. No judgment here. Um, but I don't. You need to, I think you could turn on a game and there are going to be storylines you don't understand, and that's okay. Um, I think it's tougher to do that with some other sports. I talked a lot about how how many things were happening in baseball that I did not comprehend until, you know, asking you questions, Joe, and, and reading Three Nights in August and learning more about matchups and the, the, the fact that there's a lot of chess in baseball. Oh, ton of it. Without, without knowing about it, I don't see it. Whereas in hockey, um, I may not see the chess, but the action that's unfolding is interesting enough, right? Like that was one of the things mm-hmm. I used to love about football was that I used to be able to go, okay, oh, you're not going to run the play action here. Well, that's interesting. Oh, oh, that was a nice little, this is, you know, this is why they don't fake punt in that situation. Like, you know, knowing what to expect, I don't mind the downtime because I I can anticipate what's coming. Um, and sometimes it feels good to be right. You know, like last night I, I was watching the Giants game by myself. I was in my in the, my little game room and I was painting some miniatures 
and uh, the Cowboys broke off a big run, and, I'm, and I just, like, I sort of threw my hands up, and I was like, this is what happens when you don't, and I said this out loud because I was angry about it. So this is what happens when you don't set the edge. That's what happens. That they're going to beat you outside, and you get what you deserve. I do the same thing, Chris, when I'm watching a game and, and some Yankee pitcher is up uh, down the count to a big slugger, 3-1, to one, and the guy proceeds to uh, hit a, a fastball down the middle out for a three-run home, and I say, that's the product of the count. Yep. You know, yeah, you, he, he had you, you know, you, you, you wasted uh, two pitches on the outside trying to get him to fish, so they're going after him, 3-1, he's, he's sitting on the fastball, boom, home and run. That's, and then, uh, I don't know if you get the same satisfaction, Joe, but – a couple of maybe maybe five six seconds after I had my little outburst, uh, you know, it was Troy Aikman who said, "Well, you know, if you don't set the edge, they're going to get around." Yeah, I swear to God, I, I yeah, I mean, I I do it all the time with baseball. I I said to myself, "My God, I should be doing the color here because I'll say something and then five seconds later, David Cohn was doing the color says exactly what I said." Yeah, and there's a satisfaction uh, there, right? There's a satisfaction in being. That's a great set because it means you you know you're you're in tune with the game. Yeah, no, I I I've had that uh, that quite kind of deja vu of a feeling many times watching a baseball game. Yeah, you know, and, and there's yeah. something satisfying in that. And if that's what you get from yeah. sports, then yeah, you want to know the storylines coming in, and it's important to know that stuff before you walk in. Know stuff about players so you you can see the blitzes being disguised or whatever. But you you know, I think that that is so much more integral to sports like baseball and football than it is to hockey. I think you can just sit and enjoy hockey for what it is, even if your game is a one-off. Um, because there isn't as much downtime. There isn't as much mm. hockey. Uh, disregarding the end of the third period when the, the puck keeps getting iced or going out of play. Um, but, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, I think for everybody listening out there, get into it as much as you want to. I hope you'll keep coming back and listening here as Joe guides you through baseball and – uh, I try and help light the way through hockey, and then we both stumble through football because we're yes. <laughs> um, Speaking of stumbling, but not 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 stumbling, but actually, you you got me to got me back into uh, into the NHL, and uh, guess who's texting me now during Yankee games? Keith Tarnowski. <laughs> Yeah, I see. You know, his, his his older brother's a big Yankee fan. His mother and father are big Yankee fans. Um, he and he spends uh, some evenings with his family, and he's been watching games. And he's and they'll text me, and he's going, um, "Well, that was a great hit, wasn't that?" Said, yes, that was Keith. And he's like, and last night he texted me, um, uh, "Wait, what? The game is it? Is it on? Is it on? Um, yes, or is it on uh, one of the other uh, streaming services?" I said, "No, it's it's on Yes." Uh, I don't know if yes, I'll have to go to my parents' house where we go before we watch the game. That's terrific. I love that. <laughs> so, Keith is all of a sudden into baseball. I'm, I'm loving it. It's Good, great. Keith, we're proud of you. Yeah, we are, Keith. We're very proud of you. And So uh, keep it up. And maybe he's good karma for the Yankees. Let's hope so. Yeah. You know, and hey, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Can get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially in baseball because the ball could bounce the wrong way and boom, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think yeah. that about does it for now. We've gotten through, uh, we got through baseball, we got through football, we got through, and look at that sports show. We've only been going for an hour and twenty two minutes. It's only been eighty two minutes, folks. I know you can't believe it. So we define the meaning of short, <laughs> which is what we do every every time we do one of these. We'd go longer, but I, I don't have the uh, twenty twenty three uh, Pro Bowling schedule. It hasn't been posted yet. So no PBA this week <laughs> in this episode, but that's coming soon for the two or three people out there that want to hear it. <laughs> you know, that's great. I, I'm glad you're sharing that, Joe. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, again, I think we get a, a pretty good spread, and we keep talking about it. 
Uh, but we're going to get Arco back here to talk about some some football. Um, football, right? Football. Soccer and American football. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I guess, we. what do you think? Had to uh, head into recommendations there, Joe? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, let's see. I um, didn't think too much about recommendations before this, but sports recommendations, um, uh, uh, guys and gals, just stick with your team. If your team is making the postseason, the MLB, you know, uh, whether you're at the ballpark uh, or you're in front of your TV set with your family and friends, go for it, man. Enjoy it. Um, there's nothing like uh, the baseball playoffs. I think they're great. I think they're, you know, they're on par with the NFL uh, playoffs because the NFL is, you know, one and done. So that's that's even more amazing sometimes. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and here in New York, um, go Yankees, go Mets. Let's root for that Subway Series. Um what else? Um, I oh, oh, Chris, I, uh, as far as uh, non-sports, I did watch uh, the episode five of the um, Sandman today. Oh, yeah, what would you think? Uh, Chris, it's one of the most amazing hours of television I have ever oh, spent in my life. I couldn't agree. It was absolutely incredible. It's just lovely, isn't it? It was. It's so well written and so well. The, the, I, I don't know the young lady's name who played Death. Uh, but Christine, she was so good. Baptiste, I believe. Oh, my God. She's going to be – if she's not a star now, she will be very soon. And, um, Chris, it was just an amazing hour of television, at, at like uh, unlike anything I've seen in years. Good. So, glad, yeah, Jack, I, I love it. Jack, I know you're listening. Jack, you're going to be glad to hear that too. Um, no, absolutely. It's such – it's it's really good. She's done a bunch of other things. She voices a character in um, Camp Cretaceous. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, she did a number of episodes of The Good Place, and she was very good in that, though I didn't recognize her when I first watched her. So I think she's like a star on the rise kind of thing. But yeah, I just such such a strong episode. I'm glad. I'm really glad you saw it, Joe. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Those are my recommendations. Uh, stick with your team and the players and MLB players. And, and if you got Netflix, go and watch The Same Man. Good, good, good. Yeah. Um, I have started reading Batman Birth of the Demon by Mike Barr. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Mike Barr. My, uh, that's uh, from uh, when, when was that printed, Chris? Oh, gosh. Because uh, I, I can tell you that from our unofficial sponsor, it's in Hoopla. So let me let me see there when that. It's been a while since Mike Barr did any comics. Yeah, no, I mean, this is. Definitely um, so this was uh, at least collected in 2012. Collected, okay. But I can't tell you when it was. I can't tell you offhand. Um, let's see. Because I honestly, I just I thought it would be a good idea to to go back and do a little bit. Of mm-hmm. uh, Nineteen eighty-seven. Okay, yeah, I, th- I thought it was late eighties. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, this collection was put together in twenty twelve, but yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. So I just thought it'd be good to. I, I've been reading a bunch of uh, a bunch of new things lately, and so I decided I wanted to go back a little bit, backward a little bit. I wasn't ready to do a a deep dive necessarily, but that one popped up, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I I've always wish. Uh, Rachel Gould, and so why not? Um, so that's one of my recommendations. I am still, I have not been watching much TV lately. Oh, you know what it is? Uh, so I am a couple of episodes into She-Hulk. I'm enjoying it. I don't love it or anything, but like, it's amusing. Um, I think the last episode I watched was episode three, so I'm a couple of episodes behind now. Um, but I did finally start watching the 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 um, most recent season of Stranger Things because it's we're approaching Halloween and I was. Yeah, I still got to get to that. I'm again late to the party. I'm probably the only one in America that hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> no, no, I mean, and again, I think I I really enjoyed it, but 
Um, I'm maybe three and a half episodes into this season, this latest season. And uh, I think there's some stuff they're doing really well. But there's a lot of, I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of bullying and a lot of... Really? Yeah. Like, and I understand why it's being written into the script, but there's, I think that with the monsters, there's enough, these kids are being subjected to enough trauma that the trauma of also being bullied, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't like it. You know, I just, I'll be honest. I don't like it. I think as a plot device, it's something that just touches a nerve with me and I'm finding it difficult to be objective about it. So there's, there's the supernatural stuff they're doing. I am enjoying, um, but right now they're putting the characters through a, through more stuff. So you know it's something that I've always, that, that I and others have said about Walking Dead, which is that the real threat is not the zombies; it's other people, and it mm. works in the Walking Dead. I think uh, I haven't watched in a very long time because it out it outstayed its welcome with me. Um, but you know it worked for at least the first several seasons. It's not working for me here in Stranger Things. In Stranger Things, I would like the supernatural threat and the the shady government agency to be the threat. I want those two to be the threats. The the bullying that that that's happening, I just it ju- it just makes me uncomfortable, and I just don't like it. So some of that's personal, but subject. But from an objective point of view, it just feels like piling on, and it feels kind of unnecessary. So maybe I'll change my mind by the end of the season. But it's very slow going for me. Um, and once hockey starts up, it's going to be hard for me to find time to catch up on anything unless I, I you know, I'm really going to have to want to watch it. But for now, uh, you know, because this episode hasn't been long enough, I'm going to stop, stop <laughs> the here. Um, those are my two recommendations, I would say, is, uh, stuff. yeah, I would say Birth of the Demon, um, um, about halfway through and enjoying it very much. And uh, yeah, and Stranger Things. Okay, cool. So there we go. So that's all. There's a little sports short, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. An hour and thirty minutes almost. And <laughs> Chris and Joe sports short because we hit ninety minutes, y'all. <laughs> there you go, right? Well, Without commercials too. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> time and your expertise, as always, Joe. I really appreciate your insight, answering questions. Um, and and you know, not for nothing, but both of us got through this without a tech technically without a rant. That's true, yes. Uh, but that could change in the next few weeks, depending on what happens to the Yankees and Mets in the postseason. about later episodes, but I'm saying for this episode, <laughs> we had a lot to say. And, like, we might have bordered on it a couple of times, but we didn't have a full, I don't think. Uh, if you disagree, listeners, go ahead and post it in the comments. But I think we avoided a full-blown rant. Yeah, well, I know why we avoided a full-blown rant. We didn't mention the NBA. That's right. There you go. That's coming, folks. Oh, that, that's coming. <laughs> uh, so this has been a pleasure again, Chris. Yeah. Uh, you know, your, your expertise is in, in the NFL and the NHL is mind-boggling, and, and, I, and I love picking your brain. And, uh, again, thank you for getting me back into, the, into hockey. No, no, I know I'm going to enjoy this season. I'm glad you're back, Joe. Yeah. All right. So I'm okay. Yeah, that's our, that's our sign-off. So, um, so thanks again, Joe. You're welcome, Chris. And uh, listeners, we will uh, we will talk to you soon. But in the meantime, make sure you you hit the like button, subscribe, follow. I don't know whatever platform you're listening on. Yeah, what James says, James Facebook page. Yeah, will get you more of the programming you love. So uh, so stick around. We got more for you. Take care. <laughs>